Hi all, hi everyone, and welcome back to In The Weeds Podcast 2021. Uh, I was looking at changing the name for the podcast, but I think we are not certainly out of those weeds just yet. And I know this can be a really difficult time right now, so hopefully the podcast can provide some positive, inspiring stories. And this season we have some fantastic contributors. And always we focus on food, drink, well-being, travel and mental health. And there's guests from hospitality and other walks of life sprinkled through, telling their stories and hopefully bringing an hour easy listening to your day. And we're back with a bang here, I think. So we start with a legend that is Mr. Levi Roots. Uh, we all remember that reggae, reggae sauce song nearly 13 years ago now. The Dragon Slayer himself. Uh, an absolute gentleman, though, and a fantastic rags to riches story, which has been an inspiration to so many. Okay, guys, so welcome back to episode one, season three of In The Weeds podcast. And I'm here with the Dragon Slayer himself, Mr. Levi Roots. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. I don't know what to say. You so many things, a chef, author. What, how, would, how would you describe yourself, businessman? Well, perhaps there are some other terms that some people back in the early, my early days before my dragon slaying um, escapades probably would describe me, you know, not, not, not as, you know, grand as you did kind of stuff. But, uh, because, yeah, it's the, it's the journey that you, you go through that allows people to, to give you names like dragon slayer. Whatever sort of title you pick up on the way, I'm sure in some ways you've deserved it. And yeah, and I had to slay five of those guys. So the battle was bloody, yeah. <laughs> so I was I was looking at that was 13 years ago now that you were on Dragon. Yeah, we we, are, we actually celebrating our, our birthday this month. It was it was January um, 2007. But I, I I suppose um this year particularly because everything is big, so you know wah, 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 with COVID and everything like that. But um normally we would have made a little bit of noise about it because that that's you know that's the dragon slaying here. Yeah, this year we decided not to do that. So let's just want to go back before that. What I'm reading is, so I want to know how you kind of got into the cooking. So I know that a lot of being from Jamaica, a lot are raised by the grandparents early on. You come over to the UK when you were 11, is that right? Yeah, it, it was. It, the story is no different from many, you know, similar stories of people of my background. You know, particularly from you know the, those who are of the generations of the Windrush, the Windrush generations. I, I think most of our stories are the same. Like you mentioned, in those days, a lot of the children were left with the grandparents, and while you know their parents came to the UK to seek a better job and to create a better life, and then the plan was to send for the kids. You know, every year. You know, a suitcase would arrive and one child would, you know, be afforded to go up to until eventually the, the whole family would, would be brought over. And the plan was always for the parents to go back. Once they've done, you know, the job, so to speak, of all parents, really, which is to bring up their children and to educate them and, and then for them to retire in a nice, lovely place back in paradise. That was the plan for, for a lot of um, Caribbean people. But of course, it never turned out that way because... I think coming to the UK was the settling of, of these great entrepreneurial minds, you know, who I see as entrepreneurs, you know, coming from a small country like Jamaica and then coming to a place where you've never experienced, you know, 
anything like a, a wider culture than your little village that you you, you you come from. And then you're thrust into this great metropolis of everything where you miss your family, you miss your food, you miss your culture. And, and of course, they did like my parents did. But the, the job of the grandparent was integral to, to keep those kids until it was their turn to be sent for. And of course, I was the youngest, so I wasn't one of the first. To, um, but eventually, when I did go, you know, to me, like it was my parents that coming from a small village in Jamaica, and then you're thrust into London, you've got to deal with everything that's thrown at you. Um, so life wasn't wasn't that pretty. So that your first love was cooking, or I was always want to ask you music or music or food if you had to pick one. But yeah, that's <laughs> a difficult scenario, picking music or, or food. Um, and, I, and I suppose that's why I decided to merge them together. So I wouldn't have to make a choice because that was the actual scenario when I was faced with the fact of whether to do this food thing, which wasn't really my heartbeat. It was just plan B, was, was the food and the sauce situation. My number one goal was always the music, was to become a performer, a singer, songwriter, record label owner. When the music didn't really work out to where I wanted it to really, you know, to be, then I was faced with the fact that either I give up completely or I merge these two passions of mine, you know, the two things which makes me float my boat. You know, they are the two things that I could never, I never get bored of. So I decided to merge the two together. And, and my final song before I gave up the music was to write this song about, you know, the coming together of these two things of the music and the food. And really with my grandmother's sort of um, inspiration in the background, in the back of my head to inspire me to do that. Because I, I was always trying to cook like her and trying to be arrested and all that kind of stuff. So those three together, food and my, my grandmother's care and, and of course the food. I put those three things in a bottle, basically. All right. So you think if you hadn't gone on Dragon's Den, you would have just followed, followed the music? Absolutely. Because as I said, you know, these... Passion can be dangerous when you are led with passion alone. Failure is not an option and you don't see that, you know, and, and, and you get buried in this comfort zone, which, is, which can be very dangerous. That's why music and entertainment is something that I, I would recommend my kids to be thinking of, to pick it up first. I always, you know, want them to be educated and otherwise that they need. Music comes naturally because, you know, I'm, and all of us really, my kids, and, and so that's a given thing. But I always say that's for some years trying with the music. I didn't really know. To, but then comes that time when you have to come out of that comfort zone, put that guitar down or whatever, and do something else. And then for me, you know, I was, yeah, I was lost in the music and, and um, get out of the comfort zone and to, to do something else. And when I did the music, even though I was now inspired to come with the food, but I thought that, hey, then, then why not make it be something that's, that's totally me? You know, that when I'm selling the product, I'm not only selling the sauce, I'm selling what is actually Levi Roots as well, which is what I've always tried to give the public when I'm on this year as a singer, performer, musician. Um, I would just the taste of, of a sauce. Many different sauces out there. Obviously the sauce. Now, how many products, products do you have now? It's, it's, it's a vast range. Yeah, you know, and, and I think we've, We've only just scratched the surface, basically, because it is Caribbean food. And I think a lot of people always think Caribbean and think of the few islands that we normally hear of when we're 
watching the West Indies cricket team when we get Jamaica, Barbados, Antigua. There are actually thousands of islands in the Caribbean that their cuisine and their food and their you know, way of life is not too known um, you know, outside of the Caribbean. And I think it's, it's a job for people like myself that deals with cuisine to actually try to express Caribbean food in more of a diverse way than what it seems um, yeah. on the streets. Sure. I'm a massive fan of curry goat, personally. That's my favourite. Curry goat or mutton is the best. Lots of spices there. <laughs> so merging them, obviously, like you say, you're not, you can't pick one or the other, but obviously they've been very, very... Uh, Kind to you now as a merger. Where where do you go with the music now? Is the music something you focus on in the background? Not at all. Well, as you can see, I've got my keyboard here. I've got the guitar here. The guitar is music. I could have assured you that my grandmother's story perhaps would have not um, been as relevant to to, um, to to my success. You know, it would be more of the inspiration that comes from Bob Marley and the music. And that's the story that I think that I probably would have told and probably would have still loved to do that. But you, you never know, you know, what life is going to throw at you and how your life is going to span out. You think that you maybe need one thing, but there's always, you know, something else that comes along that throws in there. And that's what happened to me. You know, the, the music didn't work out, but the food came together with it. And I suppose when I went on to Dragons then, I don't think they saw them. I don't think Peter Jones saw the food alone. You know, I really think that he invested in the man himself rather than, than in the product. Yeah, I think so. Do you ever do you, have you seen Duncan Bannatyne since? Yeah, many a times. You know, I appreciate all the all the dragons and, and, and how they sort of panned out on the day. Because as I said before, I really believe that Peter was looking beyond the product. Because you know, after all, I did go with only just one sauce. You know, I I didn't go with just a, a range of sauces, but I was hoping that one of them would have seen that it's not just the, the product, you know, this is about me, my music and my dreams and as the raster man and everything like that, this is what I wanted, you know, the giant swipe or the guitar and the music, so it wasn't just about the and but I wanted to be me because I wanted to be easier because um, I've always said that it's easier when you are you. It's more difficult when you pretend that you're, you're somebody else. And without my guitar... If I'm going to represent something called regulated sauce and I don't bring my, you know, <laughs> my axe, as we call it in, in, in my guitar, as we call it in this piece. If I didn't have my axe with me, then I wouldn't be the real me. So I, I'm glad that he was someone like a Peter. And perhaps not like a Duncan, as much as I love him. But I, I think Peter is more of a people's person that would have best in, in the person rather than just in, in the product. Yeah, I've I've seen that you said obviously you still one of the success of it being so long the big longevity of it is that you know you're still very involved with you know the product and and it's still got you in it you know and I found especially like knowing with us in business as well when when people try to expand you know that's when you can lose the heart of it that's when people get involved etc so all credit to you I've keeping it this long it's it's no mean feat like you say. Staying involved, and I think people recognize that. Yeah, I think authenticity has a lot to do with it, you know, especially if you're dealing with the public. You can't the public for long. When the public is into you for a long term, then they've destroyed your product. And and that's why the best brands are the ones that are honest and, and to, to, to their customers. It's still the same D virus that went into the Dragons then 10 years ago. I still fancy my as a musician and will get up on stage and will rap. 
thin or whatever, it just be me. Um, as I am, even though I may wear a fancy suit now rather than what I did many years ago. Um, but you have to be also adaptable to be able to to survive. You have to be a chameleon. You know, um, wherever you go, you need to bend. And whoever you're talking to, you need to be able to can can their story and connect with it with it as well. And that's some of the stuff that I learned from being around him. I'm grateful for for him as being the one that really saw that potential beyond the. I think that's what's kept the Levi Roots brand going. It's not just about regulating sauce. It is the Levi Roots brand. Absolutely. And do you still, would you go back and would you open another restaurant or are you happy with? Absolutely. When I hear a restaurant, my blood runs cold. But again, you know, it comes back to it, but being honest, you know, you have to listen to your mentor because I didn't, you know, with Peter, you know, back then many, many years ago. He's always said on Dragon's Den that restaurant is the graveyard of business and you'll never go into it. But I convinced him that you know I wanted to do this because I thought it was very, it was very, it was very me. You know, again, you know, people have helped me to bring Caribbean food up here with the sauces. And I thought now Caribbean food deserved a, a restaurant. But in, in truth, Peter was right. It is one of the most difficult business that you can go up there and, and do. But I've got to say that in, in the end, like now, I've, I'm rather pleased that I got out of it then just before COVID because I think I, I saved myself even a bit more problems and a bit more money because um, I probably would have had to, you know, took on the way of many of businesses, which, you know, um, I feel so terrible for that, you know, throughout COVID, especially restaurants. Oh, yeah. Restaurant I've seen uh, this massive dive north and, and I feel it for them, but we got out just, just in time before that happened um, in my dream so no I wouldn't go back into uh, I'm, I'm in it and I know it, it, it's hard it's a hard game I think people don't it, it gets brought up a lot on the podcast as well I mean people don't realise how tough it is the variables of it, it, it like now you know any sort of percentage drop of anything it just it can kill something off within a week Luckily, we're we're in a, we're in a touch wood. We're okay at the moment, but you know it's a tough game. It's sad to see, but I hope I think I think some good's got to come of it longer term. We've got to see some independents thriving back up. And Brixton, Brixton's full of independents, man. Yeah, I, I, well, I've always said that there's no such things as, as mistakes. You know, you 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 learn from every you know every venture that you go into, and I certainly learned a lot of. You know about going into the old restaurant, restaurant chain, and now when I speak and I and I I talk to people, I think it's, there's some valuable information that I think I can pass on to people now about being being in, in the chain because I, I did learn a lot a lot from it. But as I said, you know, I've got to work with what I know what's good good for me, and and I think a lot of people will say to to me, Levi, stick with the sauce and the music. <laughs> so so the the other thing I wanted to speak about on the food front. Wow. So obviously health is wealth now, right? So especially in these times with me, I became a father like three years ago and that changed me a lot and how I thought about how I eat as well and how I live my life. I think it changes you a lot, but I noticed, uh, you know, you do a lot of work now with, um, the health and a lot into diabetes and stuff. And is that linked to the new, the new muscle, muscle food you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I, I sort of came, I've always been sort of a, an, an healthy, lived an healthier way of life because that's, that's a man. You know, a rastaman has always lived what we call, and I'll give you this new word, and if you know it, I'm going to take my hat off to you. Um, ital. A rastaman's lived a life of a record, the italist. 
and, and some of your, your listeners will probably know of, of that word. Ital as in itality comes from the word vital. It goes a bit deeper than vegan. And now I grew up when I came into right, my early days when I started to listen to Bob Marley music and follow the rest of Marley and on Bob Marley and on Jedlocks and what, what they eat and the food and the way of life. And that's been my life for a very, very long time. I think I kind of slipped off that pedestal when I became a, a chef and you had to be more experienced of, of, of different things. But I always had that there as my background. So for me, going on an healthy trip now as I have, you know, losing lots of weight and having this great product of muscle food. were part of my way of life as, as all Rastas follow that, that way of, 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 and that creed of living a very healthy lifestyle. And, and yeah, for me, I'm just glad now I'm getting back into that. And I feel absolutely wonderful. I, I, I feel amazing. And it gives me a real purpose to put products, and, products out now, which are healthy. And I think before it would be difficult for me to be talking about you know, healthy food, healthy lifestyles to live in when, you know, uh, the only thing that hides my pouch back then was these Oswald Bortan suits that I wear because they, they fit a heck of like a glove. But when I took them off and I looked at myself, I wasn't, I was pleased, you know, and, and, and when I tried to run a couple of miles, I wasn't pleased with how that turned out. So I got back to my Ita living lifestyle and, and, and corrected, you know, all that and, and now promoting healthy food with muscle food. I can do that with a, a truthfulness of that. That is my lifestyle and that's the way I live now. I think it's important. I think it's a, definitely the culture of the UK is moving that way anyway, I think. Maybe being behind quite a lot of other, especially like European counterparts, I think. But it's good to see. Are you seeing that line selling well now, especially in these times? Actually, it must, do, it must be a good thing for that. Well, absolutely. I think, you know, people are looking at themselves more. I think before all this, especially before internet and before, you know, social media and stuff, we hated to look at ourselves, you know. We, we didn't take a picture of our naked body. But I, I think with social media and, and us being able to show off ourselves and the good bits, you know, and, and we can even take out the bad bits as well if we choose to. I think our bodies has become more of a, a focal point of our lives nowadays. So it now taps into people actually not just working out and wanting big muscles. They want to make sure that they feel good as well too. And that is a good way for, for people to use the internet because it just it, it just makes you think more about yourself and more and you can actually show others about your experiences. Yeah, definitely. Do you cook do you cook a lot at home? I presume you do. Listen, people like myself, you know, we love nothing but own cooking. I, I don't know any chef that don't like their own cooking. So I, whenever time I get the opportunity, I'm at home, I'm in the kitchen and cooking. I don't want anybody else to do it for me, you know, but I, I'll do it because that's my thing. And, and I don't just love to eat, but I'm passionate about cooking as well. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned being a Rasta there. Is that something that you were born into? As you see, you said when you were about 18 that you, you started practicing that or was it earlier on? It was, it was, it was, it's, it's school time actually. And I love telling this story because it really is so true. And I, I smile, at, I, I smile at it. I remember I was struggling with my name because, you know, in, in, ended up with Scottish names. Of course, my real name, you know, I had a really terrible real name. I was Keith. You know, I respect to all Keith there, but I didn't feel like a Keith when I was growing up because I looked up the name Keith Graham and I thought it was Scottish when I was in school. And I just kept looking in the mirror, I think I don't look really Scottish, you know. Um, and I found out that in you know, 90% of Jamaicans have Scottish names. 
um, which was a, a terrible find for me. So I wanted now to be able to, to change from being Keith Graham into somebody who a name that I who was me. And it was actually listening to reggae and listening to Bob Marley's music and, and you know, the culture music coming from Jamaica. You know, I realized that I was Scottish after all. Because, you know, I was 15, 16 in school then. You're, that's the age when you're trying to find yourself. You know, you're trying to find out whether you're adopted and you don't look like your brothers and sisters and you've got any problems and bumps coming out all over and you're looking for your identity. And it was then that I, that I actually found out that I, I'm not Scottish after all, that I'm African. And, yeah, and right. I wanted them that could identify with how I felt and where was where I was actually from. So I found the name Levi and, and I decided to grab that moniker and, and to be a musician. And as I felt that and the first thing that I had to go when I when I knew I wanted to be a musician was the bloody name of, of Keith, you know, take that bloody out of there. <laughs> and I wanted to be introduced as Levi. And and I think that's where the Rastafarian faith started for me that now it, you've got the name, you've got the personality. Now, all you need to add to that is integrity. And, and that's what the whole Rastafari, you know, um, way of life came into it. It gave me an integrity to bond those two together. And not just that I want to jump on the stage and sing, but I've got to write conscious lyrics as well too. There's a responsibility for that. And, and I think even now when people are buying into the product and into the source and into the brand, you know, that integrity has to stand as well, you know, and I'm very careful in, in that take and, and how people see me and, and what kind of food is represented on, on, on the Levi's brand because that is the integrity of the restaurant. So that, that it doesn't help all the time, but it is the integral part, I think, of what people, is your truth. Yeah, absolutely. And who's your, think, who's your biggest influence in that? I mean, music, is it Bob Marley? Bob Marley played a big, a big part, but I mean... People that knows my my musical days going way back from in the seventies, you know, will will know of a sound system. Sound system back in the days in the seventies was everything to the music business because it was the way that artists could promote their music. It wasn't about the radio or TV or internet or whatever we have now to get your music to a sound system to a DJ, and and the, the sound system would go on and play all around the country. And with DJ would be my man, the MC, um, that would sort of whip up the dance and he would be a singer, he could be a chatter, he could be a chanter, whatever it is. I was the, 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 the mic person when I left school and that's where I started my whole musical education. And within Sound System, you know, we were at the top of the chain in the 70s and the 80s throughout the UK. So I, I learned my, perhaps most of my inspiration came from the silly at the time was a brilliant gentleman called and, and again, I'm showing that to, to maybe a couple of the listeners that will perhaps know me back from then. He was my biggest inspiration in the music. Cool. So just moving on a little bit. I don't want to get like too political in this. We don't really like to talk politics in this uh, podcast. But how do you feel? I see you do, you do a lot of work with young community. I've seen you do a lot of work with schools, especially in Brixton and things like that. You know, the importance of of speaking to young young people and, and, and telling them your story and also learning them about food and stuff. What What's your opinion on on what's going on at the moment, especially with stuff that like Marcus Ratchford had to do, things like that? The fact it's 2020 and we're talking about this is crazy, but I just want to see what your opinion is. Yeah, I, you know, my opinion is that I think people are going to see more value in, in young people. I, I, I think the value of young people has been lost from back in the days of my parents where, 
you know, when my parents were in their teenagers, they were valuable to the community um, at that age because you don't go to university and you don't do school kind of stuff. You leave school and you go straight into work and you you bring value to the family and, and you bring value to the community and, and everyone becomes valuable within that. But I suppose nowadays, I think people don't see young people as valuable. Well, the government don't do anyway. Um, I think they don't do that until you, you start working and bringing tax in <laughs> and start paying tax and then they see you as but I, I do think, you know, I, I see young people as valuable now for inspiration. You know, um, just for myself, I have an eight-year-old son hires me to do better because I'm working for him. You know, I'm, 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 everything that I do is gearing for, for him to have a better life. So he's there as, as a purpose. And, and all young people are. And, and again, I remember when I came out of Dragon's Den that the massive Big ups that I got from young people. It was them that was leading the charge for me, you know, to see this guy who they said was a cool guy on Dragon's Den with the guitar singing about reggae, reggae stuff. And it became legendary amongst young people around schools and that. And I wanted to go back to, you know, to schools and, and, and to say thank you to these young people and to pass on any messages now that I managed to sort of, you know, earn while talking to people like Peter Jones and Justin King and Richard Farley and, and all these now great names that give me tips while I was in some, you know, meetings with them and picking up other information that I now, you know, I couldn't have done before, but now I know them. I wanted to go back into schools and tell these kids about them, you know, that, yeah, you can be yourself. Like, go back into local schools in my area. And where I know kids always thought that they can't be themselves, they're going to change, they're going to start speaking with a, you know, with a different accent and all kind of stuff. And your postcode determines whether you get a job and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to go back into these areas and actually tell them, no, actually, that, that's fake. You know, you can make it and you can be you because here I am, I'm living proof. And, and here's my story because it's all out there, you know, by then I'd be screwed and my, everything was out in the papers and all my wrongs and rights. You know, we're now out there. You know, and I wanted to go back into prisons, you know, and, and, and again to tell them, look, I've been here, you know, and, and you can come out and you can change. It falls that, you know, there's no place for you and all you did and, and back up there. But all you're going to do is, is abide by these rules. And I used to tell them the rules, you know, by saying that you need to be you, you need to be focused, you need to have long-term dreams. And that's for me, it was about going back into these places and, and really giving back to these young people that were loading me and buying the sauce and telling mommy and daddy to, to buy Levi Root sauce to bring it to the house. You know, I remember when Sainsbury's came back and said to me that the sauce was out selling ice tomato ketchup. It was young people, you know, that, that was doing that. So for me, it's just seeing their value, you know, to, to my business, you know, and giving back to them and not just leaving up to people like Marcus Rashford to see the value that the youths of today are the man and woman of tomorrow, because they will be valuable soon. Um, and it's the kickback then, and, and that's how it works out. Yeah, absolutely. See, what I find crazy, especially with this country in general, is you, you look at like kindergartens and like that age up, so, you know, reception, et cetera, from five, six, they don't get taught about food properly as they should, how to grow it, what these ingredients are, you know, and, and we have a, a culture that needs moving on that people are learning about, you know, where the spice is from, for example, you know, and they know about different foods and, and they can change the palate early on rather than, you know, 
getting stuck behind with the old turkey dinosaur kind of thing with the with the mash and you know this not tr- nutritionist so that's something that I think we need to change. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it's fantastic how things have moved on from back in the day with you had said that young people were inspired by someone like Jamie Oliver or what have you back in my day. I would have said absolutely no way, you know. Give me Alan Shearer or give me something to be inspired by, you know. But, you know, true people have become heroes, you know. Absolutely. So things have changed, you know, and, and young people and kids now are seeing... You know, these people that talk about food and about cooking in the kitchen more as, as people that can inspire them. So I, I do this up to more chefs, you know, and, and more people like myself that deals with food and food science to get out there and, and not just be celebrities on TV, but get into the schools, you know, get out there and actually inspire the kids because there's nothing better than having your education through food. I've seen kids from university, they can't even boil an egg, you know, that um, and, and and I think that's so wrong, that food should be one of the first lessons and trade that you have when you leave the home and you, and you go out into the world. Yeah, for definite, for definite. I'd be, I, had a, I had a girl like from, from uh, like Copenhagen, work, they work on like all the sensory stuff with the kids, the smell, the st- how, you know, even stuff like that. I don't even have to eat it. We can smell it. Where's that come from? Does it come from the ground? I do it with my kids now with three and when they know where the food is from, they want to eat it. You know, they're more yeah, likely to eat it. Absolutely. And, and the difficult thing for them as well, too, um, for kids, is because they don't really get to see the food. I, I think when I was growing up, one of my you know, greatest way of getting to, to know food and getting to love food and love agriculture, because it was all around me, you know, and, and, and you can see it. I think some of these kids, now, if you don't show them on a the computer whether how an apple grows or, Something like that. They will never experience what, what it is. So I do think it's, it's tough from the parents' point of view, from from they are very young to start to sort of um, educate them about food and about food science. Otherwise, they'll never walk through an apple orchard, and and you know, and they'll be eating apples, but they'll never know how it grows. Yeah, for definitely. So you're in Brixton now, right? Yeah. So yeah, you lived in Brixton since you came to the UK. Yeah, all my life, man. And um, you've got to find a reason to be grounded. I always. You know, for, for being who you are. And I think me being here and still maintaining, um, you know, that, that focus in Brixton has, has helped me to, to to be grounded and never forget where you're from. You know, all my friends are around here. You know? So it, it really is about what inspires me. I mean, my mom passed away recently, you know, God bless her soul. And, and I'm thinking about lately, to be honest with you, that now is my time that, I, you know, to, to, to fly my wing. And, and working at ways that I inspire young people here in, in, in Brixton. Because that was one of my fear of, of leaving here, because I, I didn't want to, you know, be sending them a message from a nice posh house somewhere in North London, <laughs> Lovely. or somewhere, you know, leafy in, in the country. I, I didn't think that was that was right. But, you know, I, I think losing my mom has given me a different perspective on, on that, and that I could still do good and I don't have to be, as we say, um, yeah. How how you so how many years you lived in Brixton? Oh well, I came here when I was eleven, so oh. you know now now sixty two. So um, yeah, regular to the mass man. It's been you know my life basically. Um, trying to be Pimblestone of Brixton, did all the wrong stuff. Um, you know it, it's been there, 
but also hopefully did some some good as, as well. But who I am stems from those you know those back streets of Cold Arbor Lane and um, the front line in Atlantic Road, Electric Avenue, and then all these now iconic places in Bridgeton where David Bowie walked and, and the rest of it. It's a great place. Yeah, it's a, I mean I love I love visiting Brixton when I'm down there, but it must have changed a lot over the years. I mean, obviously you had problems in the eighties like Liverpool and then obviously, you know, seeing a big diversification over Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the funny stories as well as you know telling someone the other day is that I, um, I was, you know, walking down down to Brixton just by Morley's, which is our main sort of department store in, in yeah. Brixton. And um, I, I saw a guy, you know, like a, a down-and-out guy sort of limped up against the wall underneath the David Bowie sign outside Morley's. There's a great um, sort of painting of the great man there. And there's a guy ogled, um, sort of begging up something, begging people to sort of hand him a few, a few tips and stuff. And he lifted up his head and, and I looked at him and I saw And he was a white guy. He was, like, was a white down-and-out and I walked up and I said to my friend, you know, we did give him something, but I said to my friend, I said, that's the changes of Brixton there for you. Because when I was a kid, all the down and outs were black and gentrification. <laughs> Even with all the gentrification, the beautifulness of what is brought and everything, there are still people there that's down and out that are suffering. So it didn't matter about the color. So gentrification doesn't change Brixton in any way. You know, it's, it's just changed the color of the people. But the place is still there, and I think the heartbeat of Brixton is still there somewhere. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I'm still there now. Yeah, good on you. It's a, yeah, it's unique. It's a unique place. Do you ever get? Do you ever get out? And do you ever get up to the north of England? I do. I mean, my son lives up in Birmingham, um, so I'm always up, you know, up there. And north is, is you know, it's a fun place for me. I have great memories of about north because I was kind of rejected when I first started to do the source locally. Because, you know, lots of Caribbean people live in Brixton and they, you know, for them, Levi Roots, who they know all their life, selling, trying to sell them a Caribbean sauce, just didn't really go with it, you know. they rather get an import from Jamaica or they can make it themselves. Because a lot of them were Caribbean people that makes jerk sauces and hot pepper sauces for themselves. So I, I wasn't the flavor of the month coming around then selling regular with the sauce for them. And it really, again, it was one of those moments that I was inspired and thinking that I've got to get out of here and, and sell the sauce to people that don't know Caribbean. And it was going up north, North Yorkshire, wherever there was the Shire. I remember I used to call it the Shires. Um, it was off to the Shires every every other week. Wherever there was a chili festival or some meat festival in, in you know, in Carmarthen Shire or something like that. I would be end up there with my guitar and be the only black guy, you know, singing a this song on my guitar and trying to sell some sauces. And that's where the success came from for me because I was spotted by one of the BBC producers of the show, Dragon's Den, while I was at one of these type festivals. And um, and, and the rest is history. <laughs> there, there it is. All the products, Jamaican products. You uh, you drink a lot of rum? I'm, I'm not a drinker. And, and again, that stems from my old Rastafarian sort of way of life. Of course, I cook more with rum than I actually drink it. Really, if I'm going to have a, a tipple, I love the Guinness. Yes, yeah, that's that's the man's tipple. Yeah. The the uh, I, we we have a one of our first bars was a rum bar and Ting, Jamaican me Stormies, Ray and nephew. That were the, they were they are biggest sellers for the last ten years. Ah, that's great. Try, try try get making a, a Guinness punch. We had a Guinness punch on. We got a good recipe actually, but um, yeah. the 
Yeah, Ray and nephew can do some interesting things, do you? Wonder things, yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the future, obviously, like we're in a very difficult environment at the moment. You know, it's it's tough for everyone. What what kind of things do you do personally to kind of keep your morale up? You know, what can you what can you say to the listeners about being positive? Because it's not always about being happy, being positive. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose you're gonna work with your passions. You know, you're gonna try and do things that you're you're passionate about. For me, at the moment, you know, I'm I'm working on my movie, which you know, I I can't be more passionate about anything. You know, film is made about my life, and and for me, at the moment, that's what wakes me up in the morning and sends me to bed at night. And it's really exciting for me to to be doing that. Just as if, like, when I'm working on some new products, you know, we talked about the muscle food products which we had. I've really enjoyed working on, on, on products like that because I know it will get to people that really appreciate what you, what you do. And, and I'm hoping that people will appreciate the film when I, you know, try and tell my story and again get to young people and saying, if Levi Roots can do it, then anyone can do it. And then try to show my life. About, but, yeah, you've got to tell the story of where you're coming from as well too because it's not just about where you are now. So, you know, for me, that's, that, that's my story. It's, it's always grabbing onto things that, that makes me tick and not letting go. And I, I, I think if you ask a lot of my friends from back in the day of the sound system days, they will say that, you know, I was always somebody who was trying new things and, and never give up on failure, because I've had a lot of those in, in, in my life. But I've always seen failure as feedback. You know, I get up, I dust myself up, and I, and I, and I try again. And, and that's been my life throughout. So do things, something that you're passionate about. And, but be the real you. So that when you fail, you fail because you haven't learned properly and you want to learn more. It's not because you can't do it. Um, because there's no such thing as failure. It's always about feedback. I like that. It is feedback, isn't it? I think a lot of people should take that advice. So there's a great rags to riches story there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for everyone, I think everyone's story will be different. You know, it, you know, your, your story is, is your life. As I said, it's all about the backstory that goes into making you up who you who you are now. And, you know, for me, my backstory has been like this. You know, there's never a moment that I was going along. It was always tumultuous. But there, there's always a time when you get to that tide and the tide evens out. And it took me a long time because I, I didn't get fame and levelment in my life until I was 48. You know, and, and that's a long time. Um, but I, I suppose when I look back at it, I think that kind of fame—you get everything at one time when you when you do get when you do get it. As long as you remain faith focused. Yeah, mate. I'll be honest with you. I couldn't believe you were sixty-two. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so is that right? Eight kids as well. Is that correct? Yeah, eight wonderful kids, man. You know what I'm saying, and, and that's why I say work hard now because you want you know your kids and your grandkids future, you know, not to be as difficult as, as I, it was for me. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And that's why I still work, work hard now because my youngest, you know, he's 88 years old. So there's still no, there's no time to be resting on your laurels here, man. It's still full speed. Anyway. Sure. I, I can't, I can't moan to you about twins then. The eight kids, that's. <laughs> yeah. How old are they? They're three. Oh, man, that's so amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, it's good. It's very, you know, it's obviously has its challenges in in uh, lockdown, but um, you know, it is what it. They're being very good today. Actually, I thought they might try and pop in and 
try and oh, amazing. well the only tip I can give you as a father for, for, for now is to write things down now get yourself a diary and, and whatever you feel like you wanted to tell them now but they're too young to do it write, write keep a leisure and write things down that you want to you want to tell them so when they get to five you know five and six and that sort of stuff and you'll have loads of information and you won't be short of stuff that you want to sort of pass on to them I, I did it recently with my boy during lockdown we wrote a book together and again it was he just telling him the things that a father wanted to tell his eight-year-old son now that I know I'm going to forget and because lockdown was here and it was an opportunity for me to actually to, to do this. I got him to write down all, all the stuff. Um, you know, so, he, he, you know, he loved the book that he's written, but he's written it himself as well as, a, as an eight-year-old boy. So I, I recommend that because it's, it's very fulfilling. Yeah, man. That's strong words. I like it. I like it. So just, I won't take up much more of your time. Did um, you just mentioned then about a movie? Is that like yeah. a, a bio, a bio movie about yourself, about your life? Yeah, yeah, which is, is absolutely exciting, you know. Um, yeah, I'm working with some really top of the line producers and writers in the country. Um, they've actually got a film coming on, so called Bright Spirit, which is coming on, which is coming on, on Sky. Um, on Friday, yeah, and they did all the Centurions movie and that sort of stuff. They're really big time producers and, and directors, and I'm I'm really grateful to be in line with that, you know. And so we're looking forward to um to start filming soon. Uh, we've just finished doing the script, so um that's the, the key thing. Because without the script, you don't have a movie. And I'm looking forward now to, to choosing actors and moving forward to filming perhaps in the summer. Cool. Who, who do you want to play yourself, or you're going to play? Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know I, I think for me it will be about me maybe getting a small part in the movie like uh, like how um, Stan Lee acts in the, in, in the Marvel movies you know it's a very tiny small part and I'll act as like a bumbling restaurateur in a Caribbean restaurant and never <laughs> gets anything right <laughs> brilliant and when, when are you expecting that to be released? yeah I mean that's not my you know, part of the thing. I think we start filming in the summer. Hopefully, you know, it's all, it's all done by then. I think COVID is throwing a massive spanner in, into works when, we, when we're talking about, you know, short to long-term works because you can't really plan properly because who knows what the summer is going to be like. But I think if we can get through summer and, and thing, I think maybe it's a, it's a 2020, 2021 Christmas outing or maybe summer 2022. Cool, cool. So just finally, obviously, the, the podcast is called In the Weeds. Obviously, you know that term from a hospitality base. I should have I asked this pre, really. Do you have a moment? I'm going to ask, you know, what's the biggest In the Weeds moment in the life? <laughs> you can't ask a restaurant that. <laughs> With that title, there is something else completely different. <laughs> My time, I've been a lot of times in those kind of weeds, yes, as a restaurant. It's a part of my life and it's part of my culture and everything to do with it. But yeah, no, I, I get I get what you're saying. You know, um, I think my moment in the weeds came when I was maybe in the dragons then then when three of the dragons had said they were out, you know, because there's five of them there. And I had never seen dragons there, and I'd never seen the program. I didn't even look it up on YouTube or anything to see what it was like. Or my moment of experience that show was when I was actually on it. Because I refused to look it up. I didn't want my kids were trying to tell me that. 
don't take the guitar, at least looking up on YouTube. And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to be beaten before I got there because I wanted to be me. I wanted to take that guitar and strum and, and to be. So when the first three dragons were out, you don't know who is going to come and sing. So you're in the weeds. In the weeds for me, meaning that everything's going to go around you and compensate you like we do. You know, because if you leave weeds around some decent plants and you don't weave it out, it incompensates whatever is, it, is there. And for me, then, that fear, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have taken the guitar. I perhaps should have listened to everyone. And, and, and that. It was that slight moment, because it was the moment, it was the moment in between me coming up the stairs with the guitar, singing the song, seeing the smiles on their face, thinking, wow, I, you know, they look like they're absolutely brought into this, you know. Seeing Richard Farley tapping on his desk, and um, I knew that the music was captured there. But when the first three said no, that was my moment in, in the music stage. Because um, yes. I thought I was going to come back. I was going to come back. But as with all weeds, if somebody is there to chop it out, man, to chop them out, man, and clear the way, and for me, that was what the, the music did. Because after all, it was singing that song that made Peter thought that, you know, as a, as a guy that, you know, deals with publicity and knows how to market things, he knew that the source on his own wouldn't have been enough for him to, to invest. It was because I added something else to it. And that's why, you know, he said that he's going to invest. Yeah. I like, I like anything, things, some things have to get worse before they get better. That's, yeah, absolutely, because that, that, that prepares you, you know, because as I said, it's, about, it's all about the story. Because again, you know, that video is showing in schools. I mean, I was even looking at a video this morning of a, of a school that sent me something, you know, they've used my, you know, my experience on Dragon's Den. So I, I, I know, you know, what good it's done for me to be sweating as a pig then as I did then and thought that my weeds were going to take me over. But um, on the other end, I think that the lessons for that about preparation and about still being who you are and, 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 you know, come with you, I think that will always express throughout, you know, the moments of the three dragons going out. But then victory in the end with investment from Peter and Richard. Yeah, you're still, you're still close to Peter now? Yeah, you know, for me, we're not, he's not an investor for me, you know. Um, we've become much more than that. He's, he's more of a friend. Than anything else, you know, I'm I'm pleased that I managed to to fulfill his trust in me because that was a big gamble for him to invest in, in something like that, and not just to invest in it, but to be the, the close friends that that we are. And I'm glad that the businesses repaid him, and, and you know, and um, and we've become, as I said, much more than just business partners. Good, good. Like I said, I think I think everyone remembers it. It's a big. Uh, so yeah, man. Fair play to you. It's great. Great, great story. Just finally then on a, a few, through lockdown, you're a big sports fan, aren't you? Big football fan. Yeah, man, big Arsenal fan. Yeah, that moment mm. I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, the last four months or so has it's been, you know, absolutely. At one stage, I was going to give up watching Sunday football, weekend football, because of the matches that we were, we were playing um, since lockdown. And Sundays had become a real drag for Arsenal fans, you know, because... <laughs> the past four months or so, we haven't been getting any any real joy out of it. But I think the last four games is has been it brought us back into a space where you know we we, we have joy again and there's smiles on our faces again. So long may it continue. Well, maybe not. I don't know. 
I like our, I don't I, I don't mind Arsenal not doing too well. It's okay. Well, and, and you, 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 do you support? I'm a Liverpool fan. A Liverpool fan. Oh well, you guys are riding high, man. I take my hat off to you and respect respect for Liverpool. Liverpool was always a team that I looked for results. It's always been a team when I when I look for the results. Um, even before you know, the club came to the to, 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 to the side. Um, well, they're always a team that I, and I'm, I'm kind of glad that if we're not getting there, then it's them. <laughs> you guys doing it. So yeah, yeah, up the pool. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was being good. I mean, it was thirty years we waited to win the title, and then we couldn't even celebrate. Yeah. So we'll we'll uh, we'll have to put that one in the pocket and wait for that. But yeah, it's been good. So all right, thanks for your time, Levi. You know, I, I appreciate you're a busy man. So you know, thank you for as an insight into your life. And uh, if you've got one final words of positivity for the listeners, maybe a little bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd like to speak to. Don't undermine your own worth by comparing yourself with someone else. It's because we're all different why each of us is special. Don't set your goal by what other people deem important because only you know what's best for you. It's inside. So bring out the true you. It's there. If you haven't found it yet, get somebody else to help you bring out the true Great words, man. And thank you again for your time. Man, imagine asking a raster if you've ever been in the weeds. Oh, mate, I did not think that one through. Anyway, big thanks to Levi for coming on. What a gentleman and an inspirational story that is. Um, you can check out all his products on levirootscom uh, and including that includes his new muscle food range. It's good luck with that. Big thanks to Killer Crab Men for the new In The Weeds music. And also a big shout out to Aptus Audio for putting this episode and new series together um, for all your audio and editing needs. Uh, so next week, the podcast is staying weekly, at least while we're in lockdown. So we'll see you next week for another great episode and one of the most celebrated British chefs, Mr. Tom Kitchen. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that. Take care, have a great week, stay safe. See you later. People talking this, people talking that People talking about the everyday chat It's a jam, right?